Hello, Ed. How are you? Very good. Fine pronunciation of uh, FC Micheland. I thought Micheland. Uh, I'm sticking with Micheland, and I'm yeah. trying not to overthink it too much. I feel like that's the best way forward. Talking of not overthinking it. Uh, Manchester United, we predicted that maybe the return of the Rankcast would see a return of terrible football. We were away, all the football was great, we're back and United are absolutely rubbish again. Yeah, I think R squared equals near one uh, in the correlation of bad results and our recording this podcast. Yeah, I think we've won the league once since we started doing this podcast, maybe twice. So look, there's all the stuff with like terrible managers and uh, the Glazers sucking £800 million out of the club. But the reason United are now crap is this podcast, undoubtedly. Yeah, clearly. Um, so anyone, if you'd like to raise money to buy us off and stop us recording this podcast... It won't cost, hey, won't cost much. Ed Woodward, you'd like to sponsor this podcast? <laughs> would, you, would we do it? What would we do if, if the Man United tried to sponsor us? That would be a, a good test in morals, wouldn't it? Yeah, it or would. something. It would. I think I'd, I think we'd have to say no, right? Unless they were just we were still allowed to say whatever we wanted. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's not going to happen. Uh, and nor apparently is Champions League football for United. We're going to have to win the Europa League, says Louis van Gaal. To get... And there are some fine teams in that competition. So, yeah, let's not count any chickens on that front. Nope, absolutely yeah. not. But the funny thing is, Manchester City are doing their level best to make sure that we stay in this this Champions League race, aren't they? Uh, losing to Tottenham Hotspur on, on Sunday. And so United are actually only two wins back. I mean... Two wins back against a team who have already sacked their manager. You know, he's dead man walking. The players appear to have, uh, be on the beach already. Uh, they seem to have given up on the title. They're doing absolutely all they can to give up on a Champions League place because it would be funny for Pep not to be in a Champions League and and we still can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, a massively, massively frustrating game of football. I mean... It's one of those games where you sit you sit down to think, okay, so every week when United plays, have a little bit of a think about what you're going to say on the podcast. And I can't think of anything interesting whatsoever to say about that game. It was it was just the worst of Van Gaal football again. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the possession statistics, they're up again after a bit of a dip recently. 66%, yeah. And in fact, actually, five shots on goal. Yeah, but it wasn't like that 66% possession gave any semblance of control over the game, I thought. No. And also there were a lot fewer passes from United. 404, which is quite a long way down on the the really big numbers of passes they've got on those in those games where... They've kind of really controlled the game through deadeningly dull football. This was not that. This was some other kind of insipid rubbish. Insipid it was, and rubbish it was. Uh, and so is Louis van Gaal. Uh, so it, it, I mean, I, how bad does it have to get before they put the boot in? Um, I guess they're just going to sleepwalk their way to fifth or sixth in the table. If lucky, actually. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that, that Liverpool are, are, are a bit rubbish and Southampton are a bit rubbish, although, you know, they've they've come back into it recently, haven't they? Um, and Everton are a bit rubbish. I, th- I think United could drop out of the top eight. Everton, West Ham, Southampton and Liverpool, all teams with potential to overtake United, I'd say. Yeah, and, and the thing is, um, it's not just that United are playing badly again. Uh, it's whether they can get enough wins... Um, to make the Champions League, of course, but actually to retain a Europa League spot next season. And, and yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But but I'm not sure they will win that many games just because of the way Van Hart plays. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of risk-taking uh, between now and the end of the season. 
And if the players have given up, which, you know, judging on yesterday's second half performance, they might well have done, then then you'd expect a lot of points to be dropped between now and, and May. Yeah, I mean, to, to go back to the Sunderland game, it is worth saying that in the first half, United were not that bad. They conceded that kind of freakish, terribly defended early goal. And then they, they thoroughly got back into it. And you said five shots on target. I wonder how many of those were, on, were in the first half. And... and Mata was playing really well at number 10, distributing the ball sort of right, left and centre with, with real kind of purpose and precision. And and United definitely deserved to be uh, at least level at half-time. Uh, it really did feel like half-time was a dramatic turning point in that game. I wonder how much of it was uh, after Lingard came off. He brought Memphis on on the left and shifted Martial out to the right in, in spite of the fact that Martial was absolutely terrorising the left flank and he scored that wonderful goal from there. Uh, a very peculiar decision by Van Gaal, I thought. Yes, it was. Uh, one of many um, this season and last uh, so, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't be surprised about that. But, yeah, I, it took a lot of momentum out of United. But, look, credit, some credit to Sunderland um, for a team that's down at the bottom of the table. They showed quite a lot of spirit, didn't they? They they really came back into the game strongly. Sam Allardyce talked about it afterwards, seemed very pleased with himself, as, as you'd expect. Um, and United just dropped off again, as has been the case in, what, 75% of United's games under... Under Van Hull, that that the uh, any intensity, if there was any to start with, has been lost through the second half of games. You know, is definitely a pattern. Um, and this, there was a, yeah, there was a big contrast between the first half where United came back into it strongly after that awful, uh, continuing that awful goal. Um, and 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 yeah, Yedlin was having trouble against Martial as you'd expect. Rooney wasn't in the game. Maybe his bubble has. Oh, his purple patches has uh, now gone. Yeah, um, yeah, seems like it. Both the fullbacks were getting forward very well. United had a solid base in midfield, um, and Mata was pulling some strings in the first half. Uh, all disappeared after the break, though. So was that just the fact that they switched Martial to the right and Memphis was really ineffective, or was there more to it than that? No, I, I mean, I'm tempted to say that there was... Um, a little more to it than that. I mean, Sunderland were able to create quite a lot of pressure in that second half. I mean, they they created tons of chances. I mean, albeit a lot of them from set plays, um, but they were very very dangerous from from corners and free kicks, weren't they? You know, so yeah, and they and they they got a lot of corners and free kicks. Yeah, exactly. So twenty two ch- chances created by Sunderland, uh, half of them from set plays, um, which you know says something about the effectiveness of Kaziri. Um, who's you know a new player they got in the January transfer window and, and has a very nice right foot, doesn't he? Yeah, we could yeah. do with something like that. Um, and and yeah, they were very dangerous as a result. But they they managed to create quite a lot of pressure on United. I thought, despite the fact that United had three quarters or two thirds of the ball. Yeah, um, interesting time to suddenly not play Maran Fellaini. This game have been very critical of the decision to stick with Fellaini and keep him midfield, not even in the squad. Uh, I didn't see anything that Van Gaal or anyone else said about why Fellaini wasn't in the squad. Well, he had that. He looked like he had a, a little bit of a thigh problem, didn't he? Okay. At the end of yeah, the end of the previous game, so against Chelsea. So I think that was it. It wasn't a move to China. That's not what we're talking. That's not what's going on. S- sadly, it seems not. Yeah. I mean, look. I, I mean, I, I I'm gonna find it hard to criticize. Um, the fact that uh, Fellaini wasn't in the team if he wasn't injured, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, that would be rank hypocrisy, wouldn't it? So, yeah. And I, I'm not sure it actually created a problem because Schneiderlin, you know, has the kind of intensity levels that you'd expect from 
a defensive midfielder at United, but he wasn't as intense as Casamol and, and Vila and Kirchhoff in the in the middle of the Sunderland midfield. Uh, yeah, Kirchhoff wasn't there for very long, of course. Pulled up pretty yep, soon right. afterwards. Yeah. Um, and the the Schneidlin did not play very well. I didn't think. Um, Chris Smalling, I think we probably need to have a conversation about Chris Smalling. He had a year... Yeah, not had a good few weeks. Yeah, a year of fantastic form, but uh, the last couple of weeks, maybe four or five weeks, I think he's been a bit wobbly. Making a few mistakes, yeah, hor- horrible for Sunderland's winning goal. I mean, just so easily uh, the the, uh, the attacking player got the wrong side of Smalling. I mean, and it was it just watching it in real time, you're like, oh, God. Um, and then the replay doesn't look very pretty at all, does it? So, yeah, very poor and a few mistakes recently. So um, looks like he's taken a little dip um, after after being you know one of United's best players and so reliable for much of the season. Yeah, another player to take a dip who's not really been reliable for the whole season or anything, but he's had a good few weeks is Matteo Damian, who uh, was pretty poor before he went off injured. Um, partly, I think that was because United were so dominant in that game and, and definitely his defending is the key strength in his game uh but but what did you think of the 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 injury it seemed like Lingard really sold him short but uh somebody was saying to me that actually it's the the problem is that Darman doesn't really go for the ball thoroughly enough he kind of gets himself hurt by being a bit tentative to get to the ball he's saying he's a bit of a pussy I mean you know I'm not sure we can have that Paul yeah he well he's he is a bit tentative isn't he I'm, I'm not sure whether that caused the injury or not maybe I mean, he's he's dreadfully unlucky in a way, isn't he? Uh, came down hard on that shoulder, dislocated the shoulder, and he'll be out for several weeks. And and of course, if you think back to Robbo in the eighties, if you've had one of those, it happens again. Yeah, doesn't it? And yeah, so desperately unlucky. And what did, what is it with fullbacks? We've got one fullback at the moment, I think. Um, uh, Guillermo Varela not badly injured in the under twenty one, so he could come back into it. And I thought Donald Love had a bit of a difficult time, didn't he? After he came on, as you'd expect. Yeah, I'm not so young. The commentator is saying, have United ever had such a young fullback pairing? I was like, United have had hundreds of such young fullback pairings. They had one like, I don't know, three years ago or whatever, five years ago, the De Silva brothers and then before that, the Neville brothers, because Donald Love is 21, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, but but obviously highly inexperienced. Uh, but yeah, but both the Neville bro- brothers within the United team before they were 20, so... Uh, yes, we've we've definitely had a few young ones there. Uh, I thought that Borthwick Jackson was okay again. Um, I thought Mata had a really good first half. Beyond that, it's quite hard to find too much space. Oh, Blind was all right. I thought. Yeah, he, he was okay. Yeah, I mean Borthwick Jackson was fine. Uh, got absolutely done by Andoy once. Uh, he spanned him and made him look yeah. really silly. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, uh, I think Borthwick Jackson is very composed on the ball. He gets forward well, doesn't he? Not, not always the right positioning. Uh, so um, Jay on the blog did a piece about. Uh, Borthwick Jackson, both in terms of the relevance of fullbacks to United's performance this season, so pretty decent correlation between the two, you know, not one to one or anything, but uh, reasonably strong, and some of uh, Borthwick Jackson's skills and weaknesses. And uh, I think he called that right. So it doesn't always get in the right position for United, but but he's got a great left foot and uh, he's he's got plenty of tools in, on which to build, I'd say. So yeah, not too much criticism there. Plenty of criticism of of United's central midfield though after the break. I'm just not even nearly in the in the races compared to Sunderland. Yeah, and you, I don't know. You're sort of asking for it, aren't you, Carrick and Schneiderlin midfield? Especially, especially Carrick now. I mean, 
he really has receded a good deal, I, I would say. I mean, people kind of attributed some of United's recent good form to him being back in the team. I'm not sure how much that was because of causation. Obviously, he has a superb eye for a key pass at the right moment, but the intensity just isn't there. The physicality isn't there. I mean, never really has been, but it's even worse now, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought he was pretty good against Chelsea but um, and a few other games recently. But you're right, I mean, beginning of the season, he had a very poor start to the campaign, didn't he? Um, and it does seem that the, the edge has gone just a little bit. He still has... Um, Beautiful eye for a pass, and he reads the game superbly well defensively. Always has done, but you know, once the legs have gone, that that might mean he's just not as competitive as he once was. Yeah, because like the defensive reading of the game, uh, you need a degree of mobility to put that into action, don't you? I mean, I don't know. It's just I I, I just wonder. We definitely lost the fight, didn't we, in that game? Yeah, in centre of yeah, the field. did. Um, and I, I hate to come up with an awful cliche, but. Um, I'm going to come up with an awful cliche. It just felt like Sunderland wanted this one a little bit more. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. that's what it was. It's just passion, that's heart, it. Yeah, desire. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just more intensity in their game. Uh, which is really worrying because that was a game Manchester United absolutely desperately needed to win. I mean, I suppose you could say that the fight for Champions League football is far from as desperate as the fight against relegation. And Sunderland have probably got a considerably better chance of avoiding relegation than United have got of getting Champions League football. But you would have thought they would have been a bit more up for it than they were. You know, we talked a bit last week about how Rooney's excellent recent form has been part of the reason that United have looked so much better. I wonder how much the fact that he looked absolutely terrible again was part of the reason that United looked so bad. Yeah, um, or is it the other way around? Uh, he needs the team playing well for him to look good. Maybe it's a bit of bit of both. Maybe it's a bit of six of one, half a dozen of the other, talking about terrible cliches. But there's one first touch where he was offside, so it won't go down in the record books. But it's... Even in the pantheon of incredibly terrible Rooney first touches, this was a particularly bad one. It was on the left-hand side, uh, I think, in the first half. Yeah, we spoke a little bit last week that it's it's the barometer, isn't it, of Rooney's form. And uh, when the first touch goes, you know he's not playing very well. So, you know, look, we got a burst of, what, eight games from Rooney? Yeah, and it was a heck of a burst. Yeah, I'm not sure we'll get another one this season. Seven goals and three assists in that time. Um, and sort of put United back in contention for some sort of reasonable season. So I guess then the only thing to discuss at this point is the the question. I mean, there's no talk whatsoever as we record this at eight o'clock on Sunday night that anything's going to happen. I don't think anyone really expected anything to happen after nothing happened in December. You wonder, is it even really worth sacking Van Gaal at this point? Well, hmm. I mean, much as I don't really like the man, if... Jose turned up at Carrington on Monday. Do you think there would be a little bit more intensity between now and the end of the season? I suppose my working assumption is that for some reason Mourinho can't come in straight away, whether that's contractual with Chelsea or or whatever that might be. Um, uh, this is sort of me assuming that sacking Van Gaal means give it Giggsy till the end of the season and then get someone in in summer. So, I, you know, I, I do look look at the squad. Um, it's not the best squad United have ever had, but should this squad be making the top four? I really do think so. You know, there's definite weaknesses and and some of the signings have accelerated the Liverpoolization of the club. Um, but uh, it's, it's a squad that should make the top four. So I think, you know, Van Gaal's failure has been compounded by the weaknesses in the squad, um, but also by his weaknesses. 
Uh, and uh, I wonder whether you know United have now got anything to lose. I mean, really, do we actually think that uh, somehow United are going to go on a storming run? I mean, top four in previous years has been at sort of 68 to 72 points-ish. And I know it's really hard to compare year to year. This feels like a different year, doesn't it? Um, but if top four is late 60s-ish, United are going to struggle to make that. Really are going to have to win a lot of games between now and the end of the season. And if you make that calculation, you might give United a very small percentage chance of, of making it as it stands. And then what do you have to lose? Yeah, absolutely. It almost feels like they need action to offset this terrible sense of ennui around the club as well. Like they're going to have a problem with season tickets, I suspect. Maybe that's maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's like the kind of snakes on a plane effect where when you're in the echo chamber, you think something's a big deal. But when you're outside of the echo chamber, it's not. But the, you know, snakes on a plane had this huge Internet buzz in the early days of the Internet. And then it was a total flop in real life. And you wonder whether actually the season ticket thing is is actually going to be a problem. But anecdotally, I can think of five or six people that I've talked to who don't want to renew their season ticket if Van Gaal's around next season. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it would be absolutely incredible. I mean, look, without doing any science behind this, I, I think United have a 20% chance of making the top four. I'm sure some of the models in Fistrada model or some of the others out there would probably give it about the same number if United are out of the Champions League next season and Van Hal's still in a job oh my god you know not not only does Woodward want sacking for that he wants sacking for a few things um but uh yeah it would it would it would certainly feel like there's an acceleration of United's decline if they accepted that yeah Michael Cayley's um XG model has United at 12 percent to get into the top four pretty remarkable isn't it but yeah I I mean so I guess he's not going to be in a job next season I guess we're all assuming that we're in the Moyes situation where it's about Champions League football being mathematically not certain but that that made a lot of sense with Moyes okay you could you couldn't kind of reconstruct history and say oh they should have just got rid of Moyes earlier that season to do something about it then but it was his first season in charge they'd made this huge deal about uh, you know, the, the the Fergie legacy and all that kind of stuff. And it was such a climb down for them. It really made sense that they, and, and there was a much longer contract at stake. This is like, uh, I don't know. There was no reason. This this is a failure of a magnitude bigger. Yeah, there was no yeah, it, reason certainly. not to sack Van Gaal in December, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it's horrendous, um, and and the problem is that United have exacerbated some of their own problems by buying poorly, and you know it's the thing that underlies so much decline um, or so much precipitation of the the cycles of football. Um, Liverpool did it; you get a couple of bad managers in and buy poorly, and and it might be very hard to get out of that. Yeah, I mean maybe that's a very negative assessment. United will also go through five hundred million pounds. In top line revenue, a lot of that is going to be a very nice bottom line margin as well. Um, looking like a very profitable club. They can go out and legitimately spend a lot of money, even if they hadn't relaxed the financial fair play rules, which they seem to have done. So, you know, the, the club can do. I guess the thing that, that might point to Van Hal definitely going is they wouldn't back him in the, transfer, the January transfer window. You know, given how many obvious holes and weaknesses are in a small squad with tons of injuries, the fact that United didn't buy anyone, 
that should point to something happening. Van Gaal didn't buy anyone in the January before either. And he's talked a lot about not liking buying players in January because he likes to get them in pre-season and all that kind of stuff. Isn't it almost like they were still backing Van Gaal, still using his trajectory, using his philosophy to kind of underline the fact that they didn't need to buy anyone in Oh, come on. I mean, yeah, maybe, um, maybe, but that would be extremely wrong-headed if you think United are going in the right way. Um, trajectory is a good word. That's the one that uh, the Manchester City um, uh, board made about Mark Hughes a few years ago, isn't it? And uh, uh, United's trajectory is quite strong at the moment. It's just down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, yeah, I just can't even find words for how dispiriting the kind of stuff around the club is. Uh, the share price... Lots of press coverage of the share price dropping. How much of that is about the stock market? How much of that is about United's on the pitch performance? And how much of that is about the financial models? Ed. So, so I, you know, um, my assessment of that is it's nothing to do with on the pitch or very little to do with it. Um, so you will, you're certainly building at least a forward twelve months uh, into your into your model as an analyst in terms of you know which which shares to recommend and and all of that. Um, so they may well be factoring in the fact that United will take a dip in income next season from the Champions League. That said, with a new TV contract coming in next season, the Adidas contract, Chevrolet um, and United's uh, other commercial deals, it's not quite as painful as it might once have been. If United are in the Europa, Europa League, the hit will be something around £30 million. Pounds. Now, that that can be swallowed up when you when you think about United's top line growth. The the top line revenue growth will be, you know, plus 100 million next season, more. So they can certainly swallow that up. So, yeah, I think it's a mix of things. I think it's a mix of jittery markets, probably some forward looking around um, the hit on revenue, but it's not that significant. I, I don't think too many analysts in New York are looking at United's on the pitch performance and going from week to week uh, uh, looking at their results and then uh, then changing their their recommendations on buy or sell, uh, you know it doesn't happen like that. I know it gets reported like that, but uh, yeah, there you go. It, the underlying financial performance of the club is very strong. Clearly, the underlying football performance of the club—that's a different question. I guess we're going to spend hours talking about the what's going to happen next and what its implications are for United. And since nothing's actually happening this week, let's <coughs> save all our listeners' ears, shall we? Uh, do you want to do some Twitter questions? Because uh, I'm I'm fed up. Yes, let's hear from the listeners. What have they got to say? At Forza United 68 says, should we just pretend United don't exist until the summer? We appear to be sleepwalking to the end of the season. Yeah, well, some of the United's players are doing their best to pretend the club doesn't exist. Louis van Gaal's been doing a great job of that for 18 months. At Ryan Dino 7 says, What happened to the philosophy? Uh, it's had a terrible swan song, that philosophy, hasn't it? Listen. Well, it was the philosophy, wasn't it, when Fellaini was in the team. Now it's the, yeah, something not as good as that. I kind of feel like Louis van Gaal was once a very important and brilliant football manager. And it's a bit sad that... This is going to so badly taint his legacy. Yeah, at about three o'clock on Saturday, it was the philosophy. Yeah, <laughs> jokes, jokes there, because United are rubbish. Uh, where do you realistically see us finishing in May, asks at Machiavelli. Let's be honest, it could be the bottom half of the league. No, I don't think it'll be the bottom half of the league. I think it'll be fifth or sixth. The funny thing is, I wrote a piece about this today for Bleacher Report, like... Every single time United have been good under Van Gaal, it's immediately gone to hell in a handbasket 
very quickly afterwards. Like there have been good periods. They're just so few and far between and they're just inevitably followed by total dross. So you wonder, you think there'll probably be another run of decent results between now and the end of the season, but it won't be anywhere near sustainable enough to get us right in the upper echelons. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. At Oye Creations, so should we sell matter to the Chinese? No. No, I, I think he's been very good recently at 10. I mean, you yeah. know, he's the, he's definitely the best 10 United have got by some distance. I mean, he's the only actual genuine 10. So if United sell matter, they're going to have to spend a lot of money on a top class, a top class number 10. Yes, I agree. I would like to keep him. Uh, at Ben Glorious says, at the end of Terminator Genesis, how was it that Arnie came back after he was killed? Haven't seen it. No, I refuse to watch any post-Terminator 2 Terminator-based content. I don't believe it to be canon. And talking of Ben Glorious, at Sean KDLE says, do we need a at bifurcated underscore MBM podcast now that Man United can Man United score is no more? Uh, yes is the answer to that question. But um, yeah, just a bit of a shout out to the can Man United score boys. They've uh, done a podcast for a, a good few years now, but they've uh, had to stop due to life and work commitments and all that kind of stuff. A nice bunch of lads. Very true. Yeah, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah, that um, just came out today. Clearly, I'm, I'm not switched on uh, enough. That's, that's that's a shame. It is. It's a shame. But but uh, if you're a Can Man United Score listener, uh, tell all your fellow Can Man United Score listeners to uh, listen to the Rankcast instead. Yeah. Or something like that. Or something much better, like the UWS podcast or something like that. Or maybe you're stuck with cereal. I'm not having it, Ed. I'm not having it that that's much better than us. I'm just not having it. It's not. Um, at Jane McCowan Esquire says, do you think it's possible for Van Gaal to be sacked before the Champions League is a mathematical impossibility? Well, I don't know because, um, I mean, I think you were right earlier when you said it, that it, you know, it was illogical for them not to sack him in December. So um, maybe that's right. Uh, who knows what the clauses are, whether it will cost United a lot more money um, because that clearly counts at this club. Maybe it will cost United a lot more money um, if they are not in the Champions League. A bit mad though, isn't it? Because you can't imagine it's going to cost them thirty million pounds more to sack him. No, I think from a just from a logical football point of view, there's nothing to lose now. Yeah, you know, the players just don't look like they're there. I mean, it's it's a tight race. Who's more switched off, Manchester United players or Manchester City players? But the kind of crazy thing about it is like. This is the reactiveness of football because a week ago, United looked bang at it against Chelsea until the last half hour. A week before that, put in their best performance of the season against Stoke. So it's very strange how quickly things turn. Yes. I mean, that's from week to week. Are you talking about the fans here and social media? So, yeah, of course. Um, Look at the long arc of United's performances under Van Gaal and Stoke and Chelsea look like blips. They do. This is very true. Um, but they're kind of significant blips because they're where the players are actually at it. And it doesn't look like the play- Like what I'm saying is here we are this week saying it looks like the players have packed it in for the season. But we wouldn't have been saying that last week. So or put it another way. Stoke have this weekend just come off a, an eight match uh, you know, winless run, including the game against United. They were playing badly anyway. Chelsea been terrible all season, but... Uh, in the last half an hour or so of that game were, were very, very good. So perhaps United's performance wasn't very good at all, really, because it dropped off after 60 minutes. Um, or, or another way of saying that is maybe United haven't been playing that well. But then Chelsea absolutely battered Newcastle this week, this weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's. I just think I'm just not 
convinced that we can say after one bad performance that the players have packed it in for the season, basically, because we would not have said that last week. Chelsea only eight points behind United. <laughs> another team. There you go. There's another team that could definitely overtake United. Um, <laughs> at AB5Y says, did Van Gaal sell United to Arsenal and in the process sign Arsenal? <laughs> last minute goals for Arsenal, perpetual dreams of fourth for United. I never liked Danny Welbeck. Ah. Danny Welbeck's an enemy of football. He is. I never would have seen that coming. He is, yeah. Bit annoyed that they sold us their best striker and we won the league and now we've sold them our best striker and they're going to win the league. Outrageous. At That James Boy says, when did Tottenham become Manchester United? Youth, attacking football. Bit worrying, isn't it? Lads, it's Tottenham. It's not though, is it? That's the thing. It's the new, improved Tottenham. What? It's Pochnum. What a result that was today at the Etihad. It's... Huge, right, for the the title race. Yeah, huge. I mean, very late goal probably kept Van Hal in a job. <laughs> United are still just in it. If only, if only uh, Leicester had beaten Arsenal as well, then it would have just been. Then today would have been great because that that title race would be wide open. Very disappointing that result. I was, I was like. I don't want to say I was more disappointed by that result than the United result, because that wouldn't be true. But definitely after the United result, there was a a slightly extra bitter blow to that one. Yeah. United players playing a huge uh, role in that, with Simpson getting sent off and Welbeck scoring the winner. It's it's certainly going to be tight. I mean, um, what, two points between the top three could come down to the last game of the season. Uh, It could come down to the last game of the season for United in the Champions League. You never know. Uh, And imagine we need a point. At home to Bournemouth, already relegated, and uh, Van Gaal will play like four defensive midfielders. <laughs> it's not going to come down to the last day of the season for us to get in the Champions League. It'll be... Hey, look, I'm being hopeful. Yeah. Although, you are right about City. They are in pretty dismal form. That was a very big loss for them, wasn't it? That's that's them probably out of the title race, you'd think. Well, six points. I mean, I think the bigger context is the fact that they sacked their manager in the middle of the season. Um, you know, I, I don't know what uh, what the club was thinking by allowing that to be made official. Um, it should have been secret all along. Of course, the players are going to switch off. They, they talked about doing it for Pellegrini. What a load of nonsense. Um, so I think that's a bigger issue than six points. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, United, by the way, I mean, we haven't talked about this. They've still got some tough, tough fixtures left. Got to play City, play Arsenal in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, have to play Everton and Spurs and away at West Ham and Leicester. Yeah. Um, Playing a lot of teams around we us. We play everyone in the top four between now and the end of the season, which, I mean, you could say that's tough fixtures, but at the moment it's like at least it's a chance to take points off the people ahead of us, I guess. True. We win, we win all of those games and that'd be good. Might have to. <laughs> yeah. But this is the problem. I come back to this point that I just made a couple of seconds ago that the problem is we might win three of those games, but we're not, we're just not going to make a sustained run because this is, this has been over and over again, the failure of Van Gaal at United to sustain progress because there has been progress. It's just always been followed immediately by regression. Basically, I wrote this on Bleach Report, but that 5-3 game against Leicester, that is Van Gaal's whole United career in microcosm. Half an hour of sparkling, majestic attacking football and then total and utter capitulation and disaster, which is what has yeah. ultimately had the bearing on the yeah. result. Yeah. So, shall we, shall we talk Europa League? Yeah. At Man United's one hope of getting Champions League football next season. Yeah. I, I wouldn't bet too highly on that. I mean, this is a tough competition to win now. So, round of 32, so a loss of games United would have to play 
in order to win the competition and a lot of games against teams that are, are pretty good. FC Micheland are not very good. They're third in the Danish league at the moment, having a bit of a mixed season after winning it last season. Um, what do you know about them? Famously data crunchers. Yeah, well, this is the fascinating thing about them. I am, I haven't got to the stage of doing all the research for the previews and stuff yet, which will come later this week. So, like as always, if we had this conversation a bit closer to the game, I'd know a lot more about it. But the the stuff you do I do know about Micheland is just that they're a really fascinating club. They they were formed in 1999, so they've only existed since the treble season, which is kind of remarkable. Um, and they're, they're now owned by the guy who owns Brentford, who is basically a gambling millionaire. So he, he made a fortune uh, making a model that was better than the bookmaker's model and then reckoned that that could be parlayed into on-field success. Uh, yep. So it's all driven by, by huge data. Lots of the people that you see on Twitter doing data and stuff have been involved in, in one way or another. And, um it's it's fascinating i find it fascinating uh and intuitively you wonder whether there's quite a a low ceiling on success that's driven by that model but i think that's what people always think about data-driven analysis i mean we haven't seen it at an elite level so he also owns brentford brentford matthew benham and their mid mid table in the championship which is actually pretty good for them you know in historical terms uh um, mitchell and yeah uh, you know 17 years old and and won the Danish league last season. So it seems to be working. Um, it's not one that's translated to the very top of the game. But, but you know, if you if you gave me two choices between a, a model um, that uses data to make rational decisions versus Ed Woodward chasing every star name possible because it might put a couple of zeros on a contract with a, you know, a Thai noodles vendor, I, I know which one I'd go for. Their success is, is kind of... The principle is is the kind of moneyball principle uh, in terms of the transfer market of looking for undervalued players. So it's it's looking for people whose numbers are undervalued and, and all that's about identifying which numbers are actually really important. And I feel like the work is still being done on that in football, isn't it? That's, a, that's definitely an evolving thing. But the fact that they won the Danish league last season is not insignificant. Um, and even them being third this season... I mean, there was a really interesting interview with their chief executive who said that just they won the league, but that was an overperformance against their model. So they're not getting too carried away about that. <laughs> it's just, just a very data analysis look at look at the way it is. They were very excited to be drawn against Man United. Put Man United in all caps on their Twitter feed when they got them. And their captain is a massive lifelong Man United fan. Uh, so he was extremely excited about the prospect. I wonder whether they'll be a bit underwhelmed when they... Uh, actually face real Man United. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who will find their correct level? I mean... Yeah, will we drag them down to ours? For real, United should absolutely walk this one. <laughs> like, it, it, of course. it isn't even... In terms of the level of, of football, it's just, you know... Of course, United are playing at a, a much higher level. Um, of course, United should walk this game. Uh, it's not likely to be the case because United don't really walk any game. Except they did against Derby County, a mere... Three and a half weeks ago, or whatever it was, playing a team from a lower level. Mm. Didn't Midtjylland put Southampton out of the Europa League earlier this season? They did. They did indeed. Southampton, who recently beat us. Yeah, this is the wonderful nature of football, isn't it? Of course, it's not a foregone conclusion. But given that Midtjylland have not had the best season since then, 
you would have some degree of optimism. They're, they're still on their winter break. They have a really long winter break in Denmark. And their winter break, I think, ends a couple of weeks after the uh, the, the tie with United is all over. So, very fit squad, obviously, but they shouldn't be in full match rhythm, as Van Gaal would say. No, haven't played since December the 10th. Uh, then there's quite a few United players that haven't played since December the 10th. No, that's not true. Not in any meaningful sense. That's, that's not true. We were good. We've been good for weeks. It's like the best the best period of our season has just finished. I, I, just, I just don't believe it. I think it was some kind of mirage. <laughs> um, the, uh, the dreadful performance against Sunderland came after us talking on the Rankcast about how United have been in good form and should definitely win that game. So, like, sitting here going, yeah, we should beat Midtjylland. But what are you supposed to say? You can't say, no, we shouldn't beat Michelin. They're better than us because it's just not true. So Michelin is followed uh, into a weird pattern of games now, aren't we? So um, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Monday. Monday. And then another tie against Michelin and then the Arsenal game at the end of February. So, And I guess we're going to have a few like that if, if United progress against Michelin through these two ties. Um, going to be Thursday nights. Not on Channel 5 anymore. Thursday nights on... BT Sport 2 or something like that. Yeah, well annoying when United went 1-0 down and BT Sport started plugging their Champions League coverage. Out of order, lads. Yeah, BT Sport who get extremely poor viewing figures. Which are deserved because that channel is the dirt worst. Like, uh, their European football coverage is so good. They have such interesting panellists and really good host in James Richardson. But the the in play and then they then they drag out michael owen michael owen they've added trevor francis to the rotation for extra dirt worstiness <laughs> uh, um robbie savage is in the mix it is absolutely abysmal it is um but and and so are the viewing figures apparently apparently uefa are worried about this yeah well united will help boost it i suppose it will uh, yeah because uh, united always get the best viewing figures uh, even for thursday night against fc michelin united top of the league the very specific viewing figures league very good yeah so shrewsbury town on monday night uh, we will um, not be recording a podcast before that, so let's do a quick preview. Still in the FA Cup, still got a chance of winning two trophies this season, Paul. Yeah, and we really should still be in both of these uh, competitions after this round of fixtures because, again, uh, I mean, what can you say about United taking on the team in 19th place in League One other than that this really should be a procession? Now, it won't be, but... That's what it should be. I mean, I'm sure the atmosphere will be spectacular. And uh, if that Derby County game's anything to go by, there'll be a... I don't know what the allocation's like, actually. But that Derby away end looked like one of the most fun for a long time. Uh, and the Shrewsbury one will be good as well, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously not a, a big ground or anything like that. Actually, only 9,000 going to uh, the Michelin game because uh, UEFA's weird rules of cut the already small attendance by a couple of thousand so there'll only be a few hundred Manchester United fans at that one I'm sure they'll be making a racket and there'll be a, you know, a few hundred more at Shrewsbury because United should be getting something close to 25% of the ground uh, it'll be a cracking atmosphere and, and I'm looking forward to it you know because the Premier League is such dross at the moment for United the FA Cup is actually like it was in the 80s a, a ray of hope yeah we are really are Arsenal now That's this is it it's just we're just hoping we win the FA Cup this season. Yeah, it's not good. So Shrewsbury in 19th, but they did win at the weekend at Blackpool. Yes, they did. 
Isn't it Blackpool very recently of the Premier League, of course? Yes, Blackpool very recently of the Premier League stroke absolutely pillaged by Carl Alston. So, um, yeah, uh, got any predictions for this one? He'll, he'll turn out, United will win comfortably. Yes, I, that is my genuine belief about this game. Uh, I think United will win both of these games. I think they'll win, I, I think they'll win away in Denmark and I think they... They surely must play like this means something to them. That's, that's you know, it seems inevitable. And they've just travelled nearly as far north as Denmark when they played Sunderland, and that didn't go too well. But still, maybe this will be uh, an improvement on that. And, and maybe what United need is two considerably lower quality opposition teams to play against in quick succession. Yes, but then we play Arsenal and we'll get stuffed. And, and all the <laughs> momentum that was built from playing a couple of rubbish teams will have gone. Yeah, it's not a great season, is it? Let's face it. Shrewsbury Town, they haven't got anyone any good. Uh, their manager is called Mickey Mellon. Uh, he had a stellar playing career, playing for people like Cork City on loan. Uh, and uh, Kidderminster Harriers and finished with Lancaster City. Do you know, do you know what league Lancaster City are in? I don't, but was that no, where he first neither. met Tony Soprano? Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mickey Mellons, Mickey Mellons, go and run shoes before me. So, I mean, he's done all right. He's had, he had four years of Fleetwood Town, um, reasonably successful there, a spell as a caretaker manager at Barnsley and, and uh, been with Shrewsbury for a couple of years now. Yeah, and before that, he was uh, in New Jersey running a numbers racket. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's FC Michland and Brentford. <laughs> Yeah, it all ties together. Ed, I can't bring myself to talk about Man United anymore. How's the rest of football treating you? The rest of football, oh, it's a nasty, nasty place, isn't it? So if it if it isn't some kind of dodgy betting scam uh, or terrible football, it's it's uh, football is doing things with teenagers in car parks. And that's oh no, that's really sad. That was the thing that I don't understand about that is the glee that you see. Yeah, when famous people are convicted of these things. People seem to really just revel in its awfulness. And which is hard to understand because think of the other side of that awfulness. Yeah. Yeah. In slightly lighter news, did I read correctly that Gary Neville's Valencia won a football match? They won a football match. I thought he was brilliant afterwards as well, Neville. He he said, I'm not going to get carried away with this and I wasn't looking for any pity. I understand the fans and the pundits have been criticising me. I'd have done the same thing. So, you know, he's what else could he say, I suppose? But um, he hasn't got defensive, even though it's been a very tough time for him. But they they won a game. This is very exciting. Talking of uh, pity, Van Gaal once again giving a kind of woe is me interview. Uh, this Yeah, it's all about the injuries, apparently. Yeah, um, and he talks about the effect and stuff on his family and all that kind of stuff. And you think, well, fair enough-ish, but um, I'm not sure that's particularly reasonable line of defence under the current circumstances. Yeah, it's not really. And, and I know this shouldn't come into it when we're talking about, you know, human feelings, but he does earn like £7 million a season. Yeah, and it's not like... It would be very different if people were writing stories about his family. Then you would say, OK, well, that's fair enough. They're, that they're off. They should be off limits. They're not part of the story. But that's not what they, what he's saying. He's saying it's sad that people are writing about how terrible a job he's doing, basically. It's like, well, part of that is the people writing about it but the other bit is where you're doing a terrible job mate that's right and and he brought out Paul Scholes again oh. and said Scholes has stimulated negative thinking around the club as if you know the only reason there are bad results I and mean, this is basically passing what he said the only reason there are bad results is because United's injuries 
um, have kicked in and and he should have been praised for having a slim squad because he wanted to give youth a chance and the only reason there's any negativity around the club at the moment is Paul Scholes. And the thing about it, the fact that he's repeated this months after all that was really kicking off kind of makes you think he actually believes it and that is just delusional because I would argue that Paul Scholes had less than 0.5% bearing on the team going, the fans going crazy uh, when he took Martial off against CSK in Moscow, for example, or the fans ironically jeering when Memphis had a shot against Sheffield United. It's the football, stupid. Exactly. That, that was a bit ranty for you. <laughs> it was. It's just American election season, isn't it? So I'm just, I'm paraphrasing Clinton. I tell you what, Donald Trump would do a decent gender. (laughs) (laughs) No, not even for humour do we say anything positive about that evil, evil man on this show. Yes, and and nor about Donald Trump either. Right, I prefer Louis van Gaal to Donald Trump. I just want to make that abundantly clear. I'd, I'd like to see Louis van Gaal in the presidential debate, though. Yeah, that'd be good. My philosophy is we have to keep possession of the nuclear arsenal... Um, anyway, uh, but never attack. Actually, I'd agree with him on that second bit. Anyway, enough. There there you go, pushing your left-wing agenda again. (laughs) I'm never going to stop. Ain't never going to stop, son. Um, We were born in these streets. I'm just rambling now. It's been a long week and Man United are rubbish. So, So, okay, let's sum up. United were rubbish uh, in the last 30 minutes against Chelsea. They were rubbish in the last... I don't know, uh, 89 minutes against Sunderland. Let's go with let's go with 45. 45, yeah. Um, how rubbish will they be in upcoming games against Michelin and Shrewsbury? Let's predict some scores. This is good, right? Because you know how we always do this, like 45 minutes of eviscerating United and then predicting two wins. This time, that's actually the correct thing to do for a change. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we've been absolutely dismal, but the quality of opposition is such that two Man United wins really should be the least. I'm going to go with 2-0 and 3-1 in those two games. Wow. Big call there. I think United might actually struggle a bit in Denmark. Okay. You know, a bit, bit of an atmosphere and and coming off the back of a pretty demoralising loss. Yeah, I'm going to go with 1-1 in Denmark. Um, wow. And, and a 3-0 win at Shrewsbury. The atmosphere is going to be horrifically toxic if we draw with Mitchell and 1-1. You know? Yeah, and uh, what, what's new? <laughs> yes. Quite. It's all Paul Scholes' fault. All right, so we will be back with another one of these next week. Thank you to everyone uh, that's reached out and sent a nice message uh, in in the week gone by. Uh, We're delighted to be back, even though we appear to have ruined Man United. So sorry about that. Yeah, well, you see, if if Louis, that's the thing that Louis got terribly wrong in his post-match press conference. Don't blame Scholesy, blame the (laughs) ranker. Absolutely. And we'll want to say a massive thanks to producer Tom, who just is the hardest working man on the rank cast. Without him, this definitely wouldn't be happening. So thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. And we'll see you all probably next Tuesday or Wednesday. See you then.